Good morning, everyone. Am I on? Hello, hello, hello. Testing, testing, testing. There we go. No wonder you didn't give me a thundering applause. You couldn't hear me. There we go. Bill Snell is my name. I had the joy of being part of Grace Church a number of years back as executive pastor and, and uh, grew and, and comprehension and understanding of the, one of the most glorious truths uh, a man or a woman could ever come into. And that's the realization of the finished work of Christ and the comprehension of, of grace, mercy uh, that's been poured out. And uh, I'll forever be changed. And, uh, and I love you. I'm glad to be here today. Missionary Ventures is uh, uh, what I have uh, transitioned to a numbers of, uh, number of years ago. It is an uh, international mission organization that <clears throat> is involved in more than 100 countries with missionaries and and uh, partnerships of various types. And I thought I would just kind of give you a few, a few photos of some of the things that have gone on recently. I just came back from a 2,300-mile motorcycle trip and uh, I went from uh, Fort Worth to um, Seymour, Texas, Seymour, Texas to Capitan, New Mexico, Capitan to um, someplace in Arizona. I can't ever get the name right. And from Arizona down back into New Mexico and Dimmons, uh, Dimmons, uh, Dimmings, New Mexico, and then uh, ending up in Fort Davis, Texas, which is far west Texas, uh, in the Davis Mountains. And, um, and there we had a, a motorcycle rally with the uh, Christian Motorcycles Association. They culminate the year in what's called Run for the Sun, S-O-N, which is an effort for uh, the Christian Motorcycles Association to raise funds for international missions and for outreach and so forth, and they give all of that money, uh, either they apply all of that money, 60% goes to their ministry partners, of which Missionary Ventures is one of those, and the rest is spent on reaching motorcyclists for Christ. None of it is used for administrative dollars. So it's really, really neat. We got uh, over $1 million last June uh, to, uh, to purchase transportation throughout the world, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Let's put up a some of these, the first photo, Mary. All right, so this, uh, I don't know if you're a motorcycle fan, but this is a great bike right here that I was riding. It's not mine, it's borrowed. That's a uh, BMW GS, uh, one of the finest uh, touring bikes. Well, it's not, not it's a, an adventure bike is what it's called. And you can see the numbers of motorcycles that are gathered together. That was our first spot that we spent the night. Next, next slide. This is when we were in uh, New Mexico, in the mountains of New Mexico and uh, just kind of stretching our legs a bit, which we had to do uh, frequently, by the way. Next. And this is uh, in Arizona. We were driving down a road called, uh, what was it called? Devil's Highway. Devil's Highway. And it has got more switchbacks and tight turns than you can possibly imagine. Absolutely perfect for motorcycle riding. And this is one of the lookouts. Uh, it was about 8,500 feet right there, I guess. Next. And uh, we're getting close to Fort Davis and came across this beautiful shopping area and uh, decided we'd stop and take a photo. That is a real place. It's, it obviously is not a retail center because there's nothing except jackrabbits and antelope that live out there. But uh, I told Tammy, said, I thought about buying you something uh, at this place, but it wasn't open. <laughs> Next. Uh, this young fella that I, uh, well, both young fellas, I guess, but this fella uh, is 86 years old. 
He, uh, he rides thousands of miles every year. He's a member of uh, Christian Motorcycles Association. He rides an adventure bike as well. And uh, he was one of the first, uh, he was one of the men that was there in Guatemala when 35 years ago, Missionary Adventures gave its first number of motorcycles to indigenous pastors and leaders there in Guatemala, uh, which were, the monies were provided by Christian uh, Motorcycles Association. I thought that was a really neat fellow. Now, before you go to the next slide, let me make sure I, I know which one it is. Okay, you can go to the next one. I wanted to give you some idea of some of the fancy housing that I have when I'm on the road. So this is where I stayed in Fort Davis. It turned out to be okay. I won't do it again, but it was, it was all right. Uh, it's just me. And uh, uh, anyway, it was uh, very, very hot when we got there, and it stayed in the upper 90s. On the return home, by the way, uh, we spent, uh, well, it was two days to get back from Fort Davis to Mena, Arkansas, and we drove in 106-degree temperatures for six hours in full motorcycle garb. So that was more of an endurance than a fun ride. On the way back. Now, before you do the next slide, I, there's when you're in the West, it's it's uh, um, every now and then you come across an authentic cowboy, and uh, I I thought I just have to capture this picture, so I would like to go to the next one. This is an authentic cowboy, and I believe he's in the house today. <laughs> uh, he's actually in the house. It, and Tim, why don't you stand up? This is an authentic cowboy that I want to make sure that we uh, identify. <laughs> Yeah, let's just, let's just leave that up for a while. You've really got to take that in. That is, that is one, one handsome cowboy right there. Okay, you can, you can take it off of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, the, the next series of slides are uh, from a recent Greece trip that we had. I hosted a, or we did, we hosted a church planting conference in Greece uh, in March. Uh, where we have been discovering that God's really been doing something amazing there in terms of Muslims coming to Christ and, uh, and, and church planting happening all over the place. When I'm talking about church planting, it's not, not building churches, it's, it's meeting in homes, and it's just, it's just growing like wildfire. And go ahead and put up the first slide, if you would. Um, this, uh, this young fellow, this picture was taken four years ago. The young fellow, his name is Aryan. Aryan is from Iran. He and his mother and father had just uh, escaped Iran and uh, with what they could carry with them and, and came to Greece hoping that they can find some way to get into the European Union. And um, uh, they were not Christians, they were, they're Muslim. And so they were attending a, uh, a Bible study that we had there. I, was, I had the opportunity to lead that one. And this young fella... Uh, came up to Darren. Darren is our, our United Kingdom Director of Missionary Ventures. And uh, he came up to Darren that evening and said, uh, asked if somebody would translate. He says, when you walked into the room, I think I've told you the story before. When you walked into the room, I saw on your face the face of God. And I want to know the God that your face represents. And so Aryan, being a Muslim, that's all he knew, uh, fell head over heels in love with Jesus at that moment and, and, and came to Christ by faith and was gloriously saved right there in front of us. His mom and dad, uh, both Iranian, knew nothing about what was taking place. They were looking down, looking at what was happening, had no idea what decision was made or how permanent or how glorious it was, but such was the, the impact on that young lad in just 24, 48 hours that mom and dad also gave their lives to Christ. And uh, we were able to baptize all of them uh, in the Aegean Sea outside of where we were staying. So let's go to the next slide. This is four years ago now. This is the family today. You see Arian, he's grown up quite a bit. 
He was nine in that last photo, so he's 13 here. And uh, Marsad is his father's name. Now, Marsad, uh, who had also given his life to Christ a couple days after his son did, now has been the go-to translator for our missionaries there. And uh, not only is it a very efficient translator, he has become a, a theologian in such a short period of time. I mean, the transformation of this man is remarkable. He's learned three languages in the last four years and is, is an absolute tremendous translator and can, and can deliver the, the intent of the message and not just the words of the message when, when it's being conveyed by the missionaries. Remarkable man, they lean highly, highly on Mursad. And um, Arian, by the way, this is now four years later, has learned four languages on top of uh, the one that he, Farsi, I believe, is what, that was his native language. And so he's absolutely brilliant and, uh, and has the call of God in his life. And we spent quite a bit of time ministering to he, uh, to he and his family while we were there. This is uh, just in March. Okay, that was taken in March. Next photo. This is a, a picture of uh, when we're in Philippi, Greece. Uh, this is the uh, Lydia's baptism. Uh, Lydia, if you remember, was the, uh, the, the seller of, of purple, right? The uh, clothes dyed in purple. It was the uh, first convert. Uh, female convert in that area, and uh, this picture was taken with some of our leadership that was with us on this on this Greece trip, and that was such a neat, neat event. And uh, we didn't baptize that particular day, but one of our first, I believe, our first Muslim converts to Christ was baptized at this particular spot, which is a couple two and a half hours away from Thessaloniki, where we were staying. Okay, is that the last one, Mary? Okay, good. All right. So uh, what's happening in, in Greece is that um, uh, since it's a collection for many refugees seeking, coming from Syria, coming from Iran, coming from Pakistan and, and uh, Afghanistan and Egypt and other Middle Eastern countries, uh, of course, Egypt being North Africa, there was, there's been a, a, an opportunity of ministry. And so many, many Muslims are coming to Christ. Uh, and they're coming to Christ through what we're using, a tool called the Discovery Bible Study System. And it's, it's an attempt just to talk about the teachings of Christ and not just straight getting on a soapbox and preaching and hoping that somebody is going to listen and pay attention and, and, and give their faith to Christ. So it's a discipleship uh, technique, if you will, a model or an attempt to talk about the things of Christ. Most Muslims coming out of their, their war-torn countries... Um, all they know about Christianity is what they've been told. And what they've been told is we're the infidels and we're the ones that are misbehaving and we're the ones that uh, are Satan's uh, plants all over the world and so forth. But when they come and discover true Christianity, they go, that's not, this is not what I've been told. These people aren't like that at all. And, and so they're, they're very open. They honor the Holy Word in their minds, that Holy Word is the Quran, but... Um, but they're not against the Bible, and certainly not against Jesus, because Jesus is in the Quran. He just happens to be a prophet, not the Savior, in their thinking, but he's highly revered. So it's easy to talk about God and his word and even Jesus uh, without them pushing back. They're interested, and so when you're conveying the teachings of Christ and they start comparing themselves to what they've been taught in Islam, they realize, man, the God you believe in and represent is not the same as ours. Your God sacrifices himself. Our God demands that we sacrifice ourselves. 
and they realize that that's just a dead-end road, and there's no life and no joy in it, and they're coming to Christ right and left. It's absolutely amazing. It's astounding what God is doing. We're seeing thousands upon thousands of church, uh, house churches being planted in Egypt, over 600 in, uh, 600 in Egypt uh, throughout the Middle East, thousands and thousands. And uh, it's, it's really startling and amazing. And now, because so many of the refugees are able to stay in Europe, we believe what's, what God is doing is that God's using Muslim converts into Christianity to awaken the, the church in Europe that has fallen asleep and uh, has become nothing more than a, a cultural representation of Christianity and not, not vital and passionate and evangelistic and, and grace teaching. She's just asleep. And so here you have these Muslim these Muslims coming to Christ, and, and they are exploding internally and out externally in terms of, of their passion for Jesus. They Oh, they love him. They've, they've seen him. They've met him. They've come alive in him. And uh, so now house churches are being planted all throughout Europe. And so there's much that's happening in Thessaloniki, Greece, that now is going to be moving to Germany because so many have been moving into that area of Europe. And so it's uh, a remarkable, a remarkable event that's going on right now. Didn't that sound good to you? Yeah. Since, uh, since transportation is a big part of what we do with our, our relationship with uh, the Christian Motorcycles Association, um, I thought I'd just give you a couple testimonies of men and women who've received motorcycles and, and how it's affected their ministry. This particular one is Raju. Raju is from India. And Raju has been reaching uh, the unreached in communities that are very difficult to get to, most of which he's only been able to reach by foot, perhaps by horse, every now and then by borrowed motorcycle, but this, there's not even a four-wheel drive trail to get to many of these villages. And so year after year after year, he's been going to these outlying villages to, uh, with varying success. This one particular village he's been uh, going to, year, uh, it was around six years by the time we, we uh, came into a relationship with him. Uh, and he had said that not one person has come to Christ in six years of preaching the gospel in this village. Six years and not a single convert. You can imagine the thoughts in his mind about giving up. Or do I just kick the dust off my feet and do I move on? There are other villages that will likely have a greater result. The others are, I'm, I'm seeing converts there, but I'm, I'm not seeing it happen here. And so in prayer, he was thinking about just doing just that, just quitting or giving up there and moving on. And the Holy Spirit said, uh, don't do it. Keep preaching. Keep going. It was at that time that Missionary Ventures through Christian Motorcycle Association steps in and awards him a motorcycle for transportation purposes because he's been so committed to preaching the gospel throughout India. And he says, this is his testimony. He says, when I received the motorcycle, I was thinking about giving up. But now it made it so much easier to get to that village and to the other villages that I decided I wouldn't do it. And so just recently, he had his first, the first couple came to Christ. Now, they had heard the gospel preached over and over and over again. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit opened up their hearts, I guess, and they received Christ and were gloriously saved. And the transformation power that steps into their lives um, was so um, vivid that the other villagers saw what had happened with this couple and now we've seen many, many of those couples come to Christ. And just, just within weeks ago, a couple says, we're going to give uh, property uh, to, uh, to this group so that they can build a church that will house over 100 people. 
And so what was, what looked like it was dead and wasn't ever going to be alive, just dead bones, all of a sudden is filled with life and glory. And, and somehow the motorcycle was a piece of that. And I just thought that was a neat story to tell. In China, we give, we give many, many motorcycles in China every year uh, through an organization that serves, uh, serves there. And um, some testimonies that came from there, here's one that says, uh, the words of gratitude are endless. We are peasants that live here, and we've lived here for generations. Missionaries have come to us a long time to help. This time to see such grace come to us by the giving of motorcycles. Boy, is it, uh, they didn't say boy, I, I said boy. It's, it's really a great help. We're really grateful. Thank you for taking care of us. Everyone in our church is grateful. If you come again, we're willing to slaughter pigs and sheep to entertain you. You are God's good servants. <laughs> Don't you love it? Sometimes it doesn't translate all that, all that easily. The next one is, the motorbike is the best gift I've ever received. I'm a preacher. I use my mouth to preach the gospel. Okay? And uh, you've added to me a pair of gospel shoes with the motorcycle so I can run faster. We've not met, but in the kingdom of heaven, our division of labor may be different, but we will all be remembered and will celebrate before God. Uh, perhaps one more. Uh, this one's one of my favorite. He says, this is Pastor Song, S-O-N-G. Pastor Song says, although I'm not young, God still loves me. Anybody say amen to that? <laughs> Clark, did you say amen to that? Yeah. Although I'm not young, God still loves me, but the enthusiasm for serving has not changed. After receiving the motorcycle for service, I walk more firmly and more powerfully so I can still fight that beautiful battle for the Lord at this age. I have an inexhaustible sense of gratitude in my heart and want to tell my brothers and sisters who have dedicated themselves to me that we may not be able to meet on earth, but we will see each other in heaven, and when we do, we will share the work that we have accomplished together. Isn't that glorious? And so these testimonies come time and time again, and, and uh, it's one of, my, uh, one of my highlights to read, to read these. Uh, th this year alone, since June, we've given over 520 forms of transportation in 56 countries. And um, the impact of that is, is quite staggering. There will be uh, more than one million saved just because of motorcycles this year given. Since Run for the Sun has begun, and, and just in our transportation program, uh, 17 million have come to Christ in uh, about 34 years. Yeah, yeah just, uh, just jaw-dropping. Uh, we give motorcycles in Africa as well. In this particular situation, we give uh, motorcycles through a, a ministry that specializes in church plantings. Uh, with, through them, uh, we will have given motorcycles in 20 countries. And each motorcycle, get this now, each motorcycle represents 162 preaching points. 162. And I want to take a nap after my one message that I preach on the Sunday morning. One. 162. These men and women are at it. I mean, God bless them for the endurance, for their faith, and what little they have. And I'm telling you, they have so little. Most of these people would never be able to buy a form of transportation of their own. But when you provide it, a meaningful tool like that, the ministry, uh, the expansion of the kingdom, and the numbers of people saved just explodes. It's really, really neat uh, opportunity to see that. Amen. So that's just some stories from the field. 
Um, by the way, you partner with us, Grace Church. Um, so when I'm sharing this, it's not just Missionary Ventures. This is Grace Church and Missionary Ventures because you partner with us financially every month, and uh, which I am extremely grateful for. And uh, so you share in some of the victories that I'm just talking about. Now, what, this is more of a devotion than a, pre, uh, than a preaching point, a uh, message for you, but I, I, I want to talk to you just a few moments before uh, we close out, and I want to talk about uh, overcoming obstacles and embracing opportunities. In the last two years, two and a half years, I guess, with uh, all the COVID nonsense that's been going on, there's been so many things that have stood in the way of uh, ministry. Much more than that, it stood in the way of just life itself, it seems. Uh, I'm sure every one of you have been impacted in some form or fashion in very tangible ways with, with COVID. I know churches have. I know personal economies have. I know uh, your personal freedoms have been uh, impacted greatly. And, and uh, thank goodness some of that is loosening up now. But there has been a number of things that have happened that have just been incredibly frustrating. International travel for two years was basically shut down. We could not go to the places uh, to, to encourage and empower and, and uh, do all that we do best with missionaries as well as with uh, the indigenous nationals that we part partner with. How, how tough that was, has been for me. And trying to plan and trying to administrate uh, a future events uh, it was virtually impossible because every time you'd start, it would be, everything would change again. The country would shut down, uh, you couldn't go, or there had to be one vaccination, then another, then another, then another, and just on and on and on it goes, and it just seemed like it was never going to end. And, and so, as I was reflecting through this, and as I was speaking to our Latin American missionaries here uh, just a few weeks ago, I was remembering a, a season uh, within that two years, where I felt like I really heard a word from the Lord for me. And uh, because I was frustrated about things, I couldn't plan. I was trying to. I, I didn't know how to lead. I'm president. I ought to figure out. I ought to know some way to help my people and, and direct them and give them guidance and at least have some kind of spiritual encouragement. I mean, I was having trouble finding it for myself, to be quite honest. And it felt like there were mountains that were just looming up in front of me, mountains that had taken on a personality. And the personality was, was such that it was... It was uh, frustrating me and causing great anxiety and sense of powerlessness. The mountains that were, I was looking at stood over me uh, with a great shadow of intimidation, saying, "You just uh, this is this is not going to clear up. Uh, you're not going you're not going to make headway. Your people are going to lead the mission field, and you just all different kinds of things that were very difficult for me to." to listen to and to pay attention to, but it seemed like that's all I was hearing. These immovable, ob obstructive mountains. Not necessarily of my own making, I could make my own pretty well, but this was not of my own making. It was difficult to forward my way through it all. Um, and then Zechariah came to mind. Zechariah chapter four, six and seven. You remember Zechariah the prophet as he spoke to Zerubbabel. And, they, and the, the occasion was that uh, Zerubbabel had been named the governor to oversee the rebuilding of the Jewish temple. And, uh, and Zechariah was, uh, was prophesying toward that, and everything was frustrating as a rule. He wasn't making any headway. 16 years, the, uh, the, uh, the reconstruction efforts were stymied. It probably 
prevented from, from happening. And so he's wondering, is there any way that I'm ever going to have the ability to do what I've been called to do? King Antaxerxes at the time shut it down, and so there's absolutely no work going on. He was out of Zerubbabel's control. He couldn't get the job done. And then the word of the Lord from Zechariah came to him. Listen, listen to this. You've heard it a thousand times, but listen to it again. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Remember? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? I remember Clark Witten preaching a message. I wasn't here at the time. It was before I had arrived but uh, at, a, at a previous church. And he was talking about a mountain of debt. He says, it's, we have been listening to this mountain of debt talking to us and, and, and speaking to us. You remember, Clark? Boy, I'm sure you remember. He said, it's time to start talking to the mountain and start telling the mountain to be moved and cast into the sea. It's time to take authority over what's obstructing and holding us back as the people of God. And that's exactly what the, the message of God was through Zechariah to Zerubbabel. O great mountain, before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward the top stone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Well, I knew... Uh, of some mountains before me, I am absolutely certain that there are mountains before you right now. They could be relational, they can be economic, they can be professional, they can be uh, of all different types. And that mountain is saying some things to you. And uh, they're not pleasant. They're thundering to you. You're not up to the task. You're a failure. You don't measure up. You can't overcome this give up, give in, I've heard it all. And chances are you're hearing a lot of that right now. Mountains of opposition. Listen, uh, one thing I've discovered, I'm, I'm like that Chinese man, I'm not a young man any longer, but God still loves me. Uh, but one thing I, uh, there's a few things I know, one thing I do know is that these proverbial mountains of opposition will not move because of title, will not move because of your theological training won't move because of your Herculean efforts. Mountains don't move because of that. They don't respect those things at all. The only way these proverbial mountains of opposition move is when faith is exercised and the Word of God is internalized and lived through and lived out. The fact of the matter is God is moving and He is acting and the Word that He has already spoken has power to break strongholds. The word he's speaking now by his spirit is designed to enable you, to equip you, to empower you to overcome those obstacles. I know they're difficult. I know they are. Sometimes that season lasts longer. Sometimes the season becomes a mountain. But the word of the Lord stands true forever. His promise is secure. And uh, so it's right that we in the midst of our weakness, in the midst of our own personal error, in the midst of the conflict in which we're standing, that we, we know that God's for us and he's not against us. We know that he has taken care of all things that would set me back, at least in relationship to him. He's taken care of that. I never, ever have to worry that my relationship with God is going to be sullied because I've misbehaved 
or that I've done something wrong. Now, there's some correction that, got, that will take place in life, but I don't have to worry that my father crosses his arms and, and says, tisk, tisk, I'm going to have to set you out and, and to the field, and you're just uh, you're not welcome into my house any longer. That's not what a good father does. He finds a way to embrace, to encourage, to exhort, to, to bring into the fold so you have a better understanding of the Father's love for you so you can operate out of love out of, than, rather than out of compulsion to try to perform for it. There you go. That, that was good. So, so what stands in opposition to you is there not because God has positioned it there and put it there himself, but it's there because he's going to show you that when he steps in, all things change. And you're going to grow and you're going to mature in your faith. You're going to grow and mature in your comprehension of the Father and what he does and says. And you're going to find out that he really is as true to his word as he is to others. And uh, so anyway, it's, uh, it's a good thing. All things work together for good. To those who love God, those called according to his purpose. That's a truth, and that's a fact. Okay, now this is kind of the, a way to conclude. It'll take a few minutes to conclude, so nobody come up to the stage yet, but we'll, we'll be there in a moment. Uh, this is in Numbers 13 and 14. Remember the situation here, Numbers 13 and 14, chapters 13 and 14, where um, God tells Moses, I want you to select men from the 12 tribes. I want you to send them over there into Canaan because I'm going to give you this land. I want you to go check it out. All right? That's, that's the instruction God gave to Moses. And uh, so uh, Moses says, okay, I'll do that. In Numbers 13, 2, send out for yourselves men so they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm going to give to the sons of Israel. That's what God says to Moses. Moses' instructions are given then to the spies, to, but the instructions that he gives go far beyond what God just said. Moses, out of his own insecurity, says, well, then, okay, so guys, when you go, this is what I want you to come back. This is the report I want to hear from you. I want to, I want to know just how good is this land. Is it good or is it bad, he says, okay? Is it good or is it bad? Is it fertile or is it desert-like? Does it have trees or not? Are the people strong? Uh, or, or, in other words, uh, can we overcome them? Will you look at that? Are, and um, are they numerous? Are the cities fortified? Or are they just little villages? You know, so, you know, Moses is just, he's operating out of insecurity. Here's, here's a land that he knows where there's lots of people living in there, but he doesn't know what the opposition might look like. And he's forgotten, but God says, I'm going to give this to you, Moses. All he's thinking of is go spy it out, go spy it out. So, you know the story. The 12 go, and... Uh, Ten come back. Well, all 12 come back with factual information. Yes, the cities are fortified. Yes, there are numerous people. Yes, there are enemies throughout the land, and some of them are quite big. They, are, they, they make us look like grasshoppers. These are, these are mighty men, and that was fact. There were. And, uh, but the land is flowing with milk and honey. Boy, it's got all these kind of things, but oh, boy, no, 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 no. We, we can't do this. We can't take this. So what, what happened there? with the 10 that gave that report. What was in their minds when they went? First of all, it was the, the insecurity of the, of the head chief that's sending them out. They were carrying some of the insecurity in themselves, but they had their own insecurities. They, they simply did not have a dynamic relationship with God from a position of faith. 
All they had was hearsay, is my suspect, even though they're representing 10 tribes of the tribe of, of, of Israel, the, of, the, of the 12 tribes, there are 10 of them. And they came back and they had factual reports, but they had conclusions that were wrong. They had eyes of the flesh, and they were evaluating what the opportunity was, but it, it, the opportunity was stolen away because all they could see was opposition. Have you ever been in a place like that? The opposition has just been overwhelming. And so you back off. They came back and they, they gave the report and they gave their conclusion. And you could hear the groanings throughout the thousands and thousands of people. Oh my gosh, the last thing we want to do is get us into a place where we're just going to be slaughtered and we're going to lose. And again, but did God say something about this that we should be paying attention to? Somehow that was lost. Except for Caleb and Joshua. They saw exactly what they saw. Their reports weren't any different factually, but their conclusion was totally different. I said, yes, there, there are giants. Yes, there's great opposition. Yes, their cities are fortified. Yes, the land is flowing with milk and honey. And oh my gosh, it's ours. We can take this. We can take this. How did they know that? Except they knew, they had a confidence in God that the others did not. Now, with a grace-based perspective, shouldn't that identify the body of Christ that, that understands the doctrine of grace? Shouldn't we be leading the way with an adventuresome spirit, with a confidence that we should be going, not just staying, not just camping out, that we should be reaching out, that we should be, um, we should be advancing the kingdom? Am I right? I am right. I know I am. I don't need your affirmation. I just like to hear it. <laughs> I know I'm right. We should be leading the way. We should be leading the way, not out of compulsion again, not because we feel it's our duty, but because the opportunity is there. The mountain is there to be moved in Jesus' name. It's there to be moved. And cultures can come under the sway of, a, of the dynamic of the move of God among members of the church who are alive and well and compassionate and reaching out. Our culture is not being impacted, and there's good reasons for that. We've slid in a long, long way in a very short period of time, our culture, the Western culture. I'm not one of those that believes that uh, if this doesn't change the next two or three years, that it can't change. If God can raise up a nation and, and do away with the nation in a day, he can certainly deal with unruly people and, and cultures that are not thinking straight. But that doesn't mean that I'm relaxed and uncaring, thinking, okay, well, just in the by and by, it's all going to straighten itself out. I don't think like that at all. I think, Lord, there must be something the church can do and should be doing. But what, what it is is not, not, not pickets on the side of the street. Yeah, maybe if that's your deal, do it. I don't, it doesn't matter. You just won't see me beside you. But it's, it's conveying the love of God. It's loving people who are unlovable. It's reaching out to those that you're in great disagreement with and, and not thinking that argument is going to win the situation. It's going to be the reality of the kingdom of God that's going to be capturing them. It's going to be the Arian saying, when you walked in, I saw in you the face of God. I want to know that God. I want to know that because 
That is the opportunity that we have in this world today. They need to see and experience kingdom reality and not just see it on the church sign outside. Boy, that's another good opportunity for amen right there. Well, I don't, it's not my goal to point fingers at things like that. It's just, I just know that those are things that we're up against and, but God has the ability to change things so fast it will dizzy you because it has happened to me over and over again. Well, the result of the bad report, as wonderful as Caleb and Joshua said to try to squelch the, the, the nonsense that the other two were sharing, the fact of the matter is everybody else heard the nonsense and they agreed with that. And so for 40 years, they stayed out in the desert until the generation of unbelief died out. And, and Joshua and Caleb, with those that have been unaffected by the bad report, could go in and in the obedience of God and possess what God had promised many, many years before. The underlying story is that God remained faithful and loving even to those that had believed the wrong report. In the desert, he loved on them, protected them, watched over them, provided for them, did what a good father would do, but that generation was not going to walk in and possess. They simply weren't going to do it. But the next generation was going to. Listen, I don't think it has anything to do with age, to be honest. I guess generation typically does think like that when they're conveying the, what that term means. But young and old alike can walk by faith and not by sight. Young and old alike can believe God for what he has to say and can step into the, into the venue of kingdom reality and express it in ways that are powerful and transformative. God's up to it. And uh, in time, the church will be too. And it's, uh, let's be the front runners to that. So here's, here's the conclusion that I have to offer. The word of the Lord through Zechariah to Zerubbabel at the end was to shout grace, grace to it. Now, grace is much more than a theological term that we have enjoyed and appreciated and been benefited from. It really is. It's the empowering presence of God that courses through our being, that has, that has become the agency in which we are relieved and, and trans, translated out of a sin-based identity into a a new creature in Christ, where old things are passed away, all things are new. Grace is a dynamic, not just a doctrinal term that's interesting and enjoyable to teach on. It's dynamic. And, it's in, and it increases in its transformative dynamic, if I could put it that way, as we step out by faith and in obedience to what God has to say. Being led by the Spirit and guided and directed and refusing just to go from one day to the next and attend church the next Sunday. What, what are the opportunities that are before you in your career, in your family, in your marriage, in your grandchildren, in your children? What are, what are the dynamics that are there? There are mountains there speaking loudly, thundering at you that it can't be done, it won't be done, it's been too much water has gone under the bridge, it's just the way it's going to be. But that's not God's word. That's not what he has to say. I'm convinced he's saying, I have given you the land. I've given it to you. Yes, there's opposition. Scout it out. Feel free to look at it. See it for what it is. But by faith, walk in and possess what I've given to you. 
Mark eleven twenty three. 23, Jesus said, whoever says to the, this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believe what he says, that it's going to happen, it's going to be granted. I, I think Jesus meant what he said. Pretty sure he did. So, it's time to speak to the mountains in your life. Time to declare to it what the word of the Lord has to say to you. If you don't know what that is, we'll spend a little bit more time to hear him. Pay attention. He's speaking. Pay attention. Take some time away if that's what you need to do. If you're owned by what's going on, take some time away. Listen to God. See what he has to say. And I promise you it's going to be glorious. It's going to set you free. And he'll position you to have greater influence than you've ever had before in your life. What a joy and what a privilege that will be. Stand with me. Let's pray. And I'll let uh, Joey and others close out. Well, Father, thank you for not only what you've said, but what you are saying to us. Thank you that the victory that we have in Christ is far more than we've ever experienced, far more than we even know how to talk about. We know something about it, Lord. It's like we're like kids. We're just learning. We're learning. We're growing up. We're learning. But Lord, I pray that uh, something fresh and new will happen to everyone hearing me, both online and here in this service, uh, that there is the much more ahead. Greater impact. Greater effect. Greater joy. Greater victory. Greater overcoming abilities. Thank you, Lord, that mountains are there because if they weren't there, we wouldn't know how to walk by faith. We wouldn't know how to shut out the, li the lies of the enemy. We would just simply listen. But, Lord, you're speaking and you're guiding and directing. And we just want to walk fresh and new. So have your way, Lord. If there's anyone here that's never given their lives to Christ, Holy Spirit, would you just speak to them and draw them into the reality of Christ? and his glorious accomplishment so they can be saved, so they can be transformed. And Lord, for those of us who have, may it grow greater and stronger and more victorious every day as we seek you, as we honor you, and as we obey you. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.